Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And I'm the Night Owl. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657 383 1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome everybody to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Jeremy, the maestro himself. It is a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in this evening wherever you are. We got a lot in store for us this evening. We have Pinky the referee and Vincent Barry, Vinny Barry, I should say, tuning in this evening, joining us for some amazing interviews. I would at this moment like to thank our sponsors for the Wrestle Talk podcast. That is Everything Combat with Jay Hollywood and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich, Royal Mills Transportation, the Esports Bar in Kansas City, Kincaid, Painter's Dream Productions, and Interstate 70 Sports Media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WrestleTalk Podcast. And if you want to call in and talk on the show with us, dial in at 657-383-1521. Now, I cannot do this show by myself, nor would I want to even attempt to, and especially with the amazing co-host I have by my side. And I have to introduce him in the traditional manner. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the voice of St. Louis Wrestling. He is the voice of Midwest Wrestling. Hell, he is the voice of wrestling in general. Ladies and gentlemen, the thoroughbred of lust, Drake Lee. Can I give you a formula? It's introducing Drake Lee early equals ratings. True formula, a good formula, a successful 
formula, by the way. It's true. You, you but anyway, how are you doing, well, how are you doing Jeremy? How, how are you? I, you know how I'm doing. I'm rich, successful, talented. I have women. How, how am I not doing? Uh, struggling. I mean, I know you're not struggling if you that's, have all those. That's, that's right. Well, how are you doing, Jeremy? Because we already know I'm that doing I'm doing wonderful. freaking fast. I'm doing wonderful, Drake. Thank you so much for asking. Business is booming, and I'm excited for today's show. I am too. It's been a while. I know that you've missed me. I I can see why, and uh, I can't wait to do the show with you. Uh, the pleasure uh, doing the show with you is all mine, so thank you so much, Drake. Well, before we get the beginning out of the way, I do have to say we have one sad note to add, and that is here at the Wrestle Talk podcast, we mourn the loss of the legendary Jim Crockett Jr., Jim Crockett of Jim Crockett uh Promotions, I almost lost track of that one, but he has been a legendary promoter for decades in the wrestling industry. Prior to the rise of the WWF and WCW, Jim Crockett was had a big foothold in the United States, and he had passed away earlier this week at the age of 76. So we would like to take this time to have a 10-bell salute for Jim Crockett. He will be truly missed. Drake, you got any thoughts on the loss of Jim Crockett? No, it was just terrible. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. Uh, what he did, you know, built a great empire. And and you're right. I mean, he is going to be missed without a doubt. It, it's, you know, it's sad. It just it highlights the year. I mean, you know, I've, I've gone through a couple of losses this year myself. So, you know, at this point, it's just kind of, you know, your emotions are almost dull at this point. It's been a, it's been a bad year. But, you know, we just got to keep going. And, and, you know, Jim did a great deal of, of work for, you know, the, you know, the wrestling industry. And without Rocket, you don't have a yeah. lot of the stars today, and you don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a lot of the stars of yesterday. You don't have anything. Because without the likes of, hell, just start naming them off. You could write a book on them, Jeremy. Do you want me to go down the list, or do you just want me to save time? No, you you go right down, Drake. It's floor is yours. I mean, you got Flair. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take up everyone's time to start naming names <laughs> off of it. But you got Flair. Anybody in in the NWA in the 1980s, and without that, you don't have you don't have anything. Because what did the WWE build off of in the 90s? It was the NWA. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, even WCW. I mean, all it was was just a split of the NWA. So right. It, Without that, I mean, you don't have, you don't really have much. So it's, you know, it's devastating. And, and I know that the people close to him, you know, they're going to miss him very dearly. So uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I don't like talking about sad stuff, Jeremy. No, I get you. And I recently experienced a personal loss as well. I know you have. Yeah, and it's, it, it's rough. And uh, 
our deepest condolences go out to the family and friends of Jim Crockett. Um, and with that, we're going to lighten the mood and ask that everybody please rise, remove their caps, as we pay tribute oh, God. to the greatest country Jesus. in the world. And that's America, damn it. Why? Oh, 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 say can you see and the rocket red Uh oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. Brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? I think Drake's fed up with me. Fed up's an understatement. Do you know what I am? I'm aggravated. I'm aggravated that it's Sunday, and I just heard someone massacre our national anthem. Yeah. To be fair, he's been massacring it every week that we put put it on. But it wasn't. It wasn't your choice, and it wasn't my choice to pick that rendition. That is a fact. Hey, you know what? I'll agree with that. But you and I can both agree that it is Renee's fault and Joe's. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a problem. Absolutely. And, oh, yeah. And, ha- I mean, Hoss, ha- you can chime in here at any time. You know, I, I feel <laughs> like you can agree with us, too. I think I would like to think Hoss agrees with us on this one. See if we can get a sound bite, if that would kind of sum it up. Fucking bullshit! Amen. There we go. There We're we all go. in agreement today. There, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I think we could, <laughs> quite frankly, I think we're all going to have a great show. Oh, absolutely. We have two amazing guests on the show. We got Pinky the Referee and we got Vinny Barry on. I mean, there's so much we can say about him, and I look forward to talking with both of them. As I know you are as well. Is my microphone on? Can you hear me? I feel like Hawk. I can hear you. I feel like he's tired of hearing me. Okay, but no, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great show, like always. Pinky's a great rep, and we got another great interview following that. And let's be honest, I mean, Jeremy, you and I are on the show tonight. People love to talk to us, so it's kind of like everyone's having a good time. Right. We are the top of the mountain, Drake, and we are the city on the hill. You're the one that the flag on the summit. We're the city on the hill. Yeah, absolutely. See, now you're starting to pick up what I'm putting down. This is good stuff. Absolutely. And you know what, though? Before we put those guests on, because I'm excited to talk with them, we got to talk about a lot that's been going on in the wrestling industry on the High Spot segment. We do. Mic check, mic check. Yeah. All right, all right. WrestleTalk Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to High Spots, where we pop news like flare shots. We talk shop, coming through the screens of a laptop. And non-stop, like I want to speak to the black dot. We hit hard like chest shots and backdrops. Like your clock flash, feel like a belly flop. Now that's hard. We up to speed while they stay slow. Wrestle talk podcast, now they know. We about to start the show. Uh. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the High Spot segment where we go through, Drake and I, go through a lot of the current events in the wrestling industry, both controversial and a little cooled off, but mainly controversial because that, in the words of Eric Bischoff, Just controversy creates cash be? and ratings. Who do you think it's going to be? What? That's my high spot topic. I just, let's, we got to get into it. We got to get into Ooh. it. This is a lot going on for AEW. There is. And I was, you know what? I'm going to just take a guess. Does it have anything to do? I have a couple of mine, but does it have anything to do with Paul White? Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> I feel like we're on the same page here. We are. I'm telling you. And I'm just, I'm going to let you start it off because. I'm just no 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 no, still... no 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 you aren't gonna do this to me tonight you always do this Jeremy I'm letting you go okay. first because you, you make me, me sound like the bad it? guy all the time yeah you make me sound like the bad guy all the time okay I would be Drake I would be happy to start it off all right ladies and gentlemen our first topic here on high spots it's about Paul White better known to fans in WWE as the Big Show okay so last Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. Paul White showed up wearing a shirt that said, no more BS. Okay, the first big thing out of this is, what the hell is Paul White doing on AEW Dynamite? Well, this is what's going on. Apparently, he and WWE were trying to reach a deal that would make him either an ambassador, put him on one of those Legends contracts, stuff a lot of the you know wrestlers at the end of their careers are put on. Well, apparently, Big Show and WWE couldn't reach an agreement because apparently – he wanted more out of it than what WWE was going to give him. Well, here comes that sneaky devil, Tony Khan, sweeping him in to AEW. They got another show coming out. He's going to be a commentator on there. His wrestling career is not over yet, so we do expect him to be in the ring at some point, sooner rather than later, probably. He's in great physical shape, and it's just he got such a big reaction when he made his debut last week. And it's amazing because Paul White has been a part of WWE slash WWF since 1999. Mind you, I was four years old when he made his debut. And I wasn't even four years old yet, actually. And he's been with the company ever since. But just like that, in a snap of a finger, he goes to AEW. And people are going to say, oh, but this is just another ex-WWE wrestler just trying to hang on to glory days. No, because Tony Khan has found a way to attract a new audience while keeping some of the old audience in. So, Drake, I want your opinion on just Paul White going to AEW. I couldn't believe it was going to happen. I can't – well, I, see, I can because it's wrestling, right? So, like, anything can That's happen true. in wrestling. But at the end of the day, you don't see somebody like Paul White going. I mean, even though Paul White was never, like – he wasn't born, you know, a WWF guy back in the day – he did, right. he did so much with them. I mean, I think it has to do with the fact they turned him, you know, into a you know, face of the heel so many goddamn times. It's hard to keep track. But I, I could see it. I don't know. I just want to know how much he's getting paid because Vince had to offer him a pretty good amount of money if he knew that he was getting counteroffered. Or did he know? Right? Right. I mean, there's just I mean, something crazy known. going on. He should have known. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a great role for him. I think if you get some, you know, older guys like him and Jericho, you know, he said he was going to do the, you know, show with, with Paul. 
that's good. It, it really is good because, the, you know, they're there to help, you know, the young guys along the way, you know, maybe they see something in their technique that's not good, they can help them fix it. That is very see true. Those? And I got – yeah, and I got one question for you, Dre. And yeah. you really got to think about this with AEW. Do we finally get – now that Paul White's with AEW – is we finally Jack get thing? that long awa- long awaited match with him and Shaquille O'Neal? Oh God. Why do we want it? Why do we want I it? I don't want it. I'm saying do we get it? I I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying, you know, uh <laughs> I've heard this question and it's been asked me all week long. And quite frankly, I just don't see why people want to see this damn thing so much. It's almost like It doesn't like, matter oh, what you think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hardcore Haas, you're up one today. But he's no good. The, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I, I you just threw me off my game, Haas. Uh, I I drew that that marked that for the history books. But I don't know. I I think it's. I, I just don't know why people want to see that. That's like why, if you want to go watch two Mack trucks collide against each other, YouTube's a thing. And it's like these guys, I think that enjoyment, of, not the enjoyment, but the thing is, I mean, with Shaquille O'Neal, I'm not saying Paul White because Paul White's in great shape, and he's actually in the best shape of his life probably. But look at Shaquille O'Neal. The guy's like 60 almost, or at least 50. What's he going to be doing? There needs to be a nurse out there. Okay, if it really happened, because Paul White's in a lot better shape than the, you know, than Shaquille O'Neal. Just saying, and Shaq can't hit a free throw. I'm still not. I, why do people think he's even good? Do you think he's good? Yeah. I never thought he was a good basketball player. You can't hit a three a free throw. You're bad. B A D. I'm not play devil's advocate. I mean, yeah, when it came to well, let me let me explain. So, when it comes to the free throws and things like that, yeah, he was absolutely god awful. But thankfully, that's not why he was brought into the NBA, drafted, and all that. That's not what he was meant to be. He was the dominant center. That being said, yes, everything you said he's bad at, he is absolutely bad at. The best thing of his career was the MTV Cribs episode. It's true. Uh, this is all. Be, this is all because he was a guest host on Raw in 2009. This is uh, WWE once again ruining things in wrestling for all of us. I mean, God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Hoss. Huh? <laughs> oh, if I had a drink, I'd toast him right now. He's doing amazing. <laughs> just why? Did you see him get thrown through or get put <laughs> through the table? God damn, it was I like did. watching a redwood fall. The, it was like, that was in slow motion. <laughs> in real life slow motion. That was beautiful to watch because he just timbered. It was like <laughs> watching a giant tree. It just went doop, 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 doop. It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, I was worried Cody would get caught in the ropes just trying to jump over to get caught. <laughs> I I just want to know. I don't know. He better call the general because that I don't know if that's covered with shitty insurance. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
What? Oh, jeez. All right, Drake, what else you got for us in high spots? Because there's plenty more to talk about besides Shaq's shitty wrestling ability. <laughs> the fact we're – let's talk about this, okay? <sighs> when – I saw this on an article. When does WWE sell to Disney? Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm you know what? In a weird way I'm waiting for it. A part of me doesn't really like think it will happen, but let's face it, whatever the way I look at the world, there are two parts of the world. There's the part that Amazon owns and the pe- part that Disney owns. Right. And, and yeah, I'm oh gosh. Is NBC owned by Disney? Definitely being owned by Disney would just be Unreal. I mean, there's already enough Disney-esque stuff as it is. Well, I mean, is is NBC owned by Disney, or is that a completely different thing? Um, I think NBC is not owned by Disney. I don't believe so. so I, I think no, it'd be a bidding war. No, because Fox is owned by Disney. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it'd be a bidding war in the end. But I was using that as a transition question because I saw on Netflix they're getting ready to release the Vince documentary. Have you seen that? Oh, uh, yeah, I've been hearing about that. I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. I, I really am. I, I I don't know how it's going to – I hope it's not one of those where you can obviously tell it was influenced, you know. I wish it would right. be a real – because it would be really good if it if it's not hidden, you know, where they don't hide certain things yeah. and they really go into Vince's well. I mean, it would be it would be a huge documentary that way. Vince doesn't really do many interviews and stuff out in the public life. It would be great to actually have some more in-depth stuff. Well, think about this. you got a guy that's a billionaire, a guy that was willing to literally put his son through harm's way to become successful. Okay? That's the brain of a madman. Okay? Not saying that he's an idiot because he's a genius, but – you have those two components, plus you have the wrestling, plus you have, you know, any type of business guy or any type of person that loves a character. Like, look at the people that watch Tiger King, okay? Who would have thought that, two, you know, a guy that should be basically a meth head in a trailer, which, trust me, I live in a state that has a lot of them, okay? Yeah. So it's not really entertaining to me. But for people it was. And you get a guy that has five different components of him that can hit five different target audiences. This could be a really big inter- or a documentary. You know, it could be a really big interview and a, a special that a lot of people enjoy because you have so many different components to it. But if they start hiding some of those components, they're going to start taking away from their target audiences. Yeah, that is true. I, I don't know what's going to happen, honestly. I'm excited for this. Hard documentary, but I don't know. WWE is their whole business side is just in complete disarray right now. You hear so many things, and this is I'm gonna kind of transition while keeping the topic you're talking about. I'm gonna kind of transition into the next one because it's about Vince McMahon yet again. Um, apparently, according to an article, he wants to blow up the entire WrestleMania 37 card. And WrestleMania 37 well, he, is like well, 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 six weeks away. Well, let's be honest, Jeremy. He should blow it up. It's a goddamn disaster. 
but that's brought on by the people under him. Like, it's not – I'm not going to say, like, it's Vince's fault, but there are so many things within the business side of WWE they are not giving – it is a complete shithole. The creative department of WWE is absolute, without a shadow of a doubt, shit, and it has been for far too long. And I have got you fired up today. Because I'm sick of seeing it every single week. Like, I love wrestling. I always will. And I'll tune into Raw, tune into SmackDown. And maybe that is my fault. But one way or another, I'd prefer to see a pretty damn good product when I tune in every Monday and Friday. You're damn right, Jeremy. You deserve it. And this is bullshit. But you you are right. I'm not even – Jeremy, I know joking aside, you're right. It's sad. Look at where we've gone. Look at where we've gone from in less than 20 years, okay? We went from Steve Austin, okay, and The Rock, and you have Mankind, and you have a lot of people that did so much and gave back to the business. I truly think that there's some guys out there that just don't give a damn in the locker room because you can't tell me if you don't get enough of them in the back to say, hey, we're wanting to do this stuff for real. We're ready to start really taking this, you know, taking this on, and we're really ready to start putting on, you know, the best of our ability, putting on the best we can do, and you aren't going to let us. Why isn't that addressed? And you hear about, oh, there's a locker room mutiny. Bullshit. Don't show up to the show. Let the, you know, let them figure it out because they've sat there time and time again and went corporate, corporate. They went corporate. They went corporate. They went corporate. They went, it was too, it was pathetic, and they kept blaming sponsors. You can't keep blaming sponsors. Tell me how the hell the UFC gets sponsors if they're watching guys get kneed in the goddamn head. Because in WWE's mind, if there's blood, they aren't getting the sponsor. Does that make sense to you? In today's climate? Yeah, absolutely. And here's here's another thing I put in perspective about the whole situation that makes things just so ungodly painful in WWE. You and I have hosted this show together many times since we were brought on. How many times have we talked about the shit product WWE is putting out? Well, I want to refrain. I just want to adapt the the statement you just made. Is that okay, uh, Hardcore Hoss? Is is that fine? Cool. So here's what happened. I say a statement like I did a couple of minutes ago, and Jeremy gets really angry, and he gets – and I agree with him. I don't agree as strongly because I still want to get employed potentially in the future if I ever need the money. I don't right now because I still, you know, love wrestling too much to try uh, to uh, go there. But, you know, it, I, I just want to point out, Jeremy, I think it's you're getting – you're really passionate. And I think that your passion, the WWE needs to find to make a better product. See, see how I crafted that one? That was fucking beautiful. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm calm. I'm collected, Drake. It's all good. Just a, just a passionate, passionate man, a passionate fan. I that's a shirt. You're gonna make that shirt today. Yeah, today. I actually that's actually a good shirt. Uh, but you That's know what, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna do you a favor, Drake, because I mean, granted, with your estate, your mansion, you know, the big seller with all the TVs, you don't really need the money. 
but I'll sell it oh, under no, the Drake merchandising line, I'm taking a and percentage. I'll let you get some of the royalty money. Gift or hey, hey, you can hand it to me for a gift or not. I'm getting that royalty money one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. See, we're making each other money. It's good. We have a great relationship exactly. going. It's all about the it's all about the outreach. We got each other covered. You have to stick by each other, I'm telling you. See, without this is this is what people are missing in life. They don't have this type of, you know, you know, relationship where they, you know, connectability, you know, where we can drive a, a show. I mean, this is why they call, you know, they call me the flagship of ratings. But, Jeremy, you know, let's be honest. You and I bring money to the table. It's true. It's very true. You and, you know, I think it's just, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about, about wrestling right now. I, I don't, I think that we're on the cusp of something incredible because we're getting fans back in mania and, um, I don't know who would buy this. To, uh, never mind. I just we're getting fans back in the stand. And by the way, did you see how much the freaking mania tickets were? Oh, I can only imagine. Probably in the thousands, at least the mid to high hundreds. But is it, is it, it in the was thousands? three thousand dollars for a freaking terrace seat. Not on oh the floor. My God. Not on the floor. What? No. It was. It was like. The tier, it was like tier one was three grand. It was thirty one hundred bucks. That's a lot of right. That's right. It's right. And quite frankly, I just wouldn't do it. I would much rather invest that into some nice mutual funds and see growth along the way. Absolutely. That is insane, and it's like it's. Yeah. You're right. It is good they're bringing fans back, and because, okay, first off, I'll admit, last year, you know, when you had just like five or six wrestlers from NXT standing around the ring behind the plexiglass, that was not entertaining in the slightest. Then you had the you have the Thunderdome, which is it's it's better. It's better because you do see the fans actually interacting with what's going on, but. But but it's hold on, still, Jeremy, real quick. Can I add on to that real quick? Go right ahead. And you can take it right after this point because you know what I'm going with this. They kind of screwed themselves, though, Jeremy, because now they kind of told us what the real crowd noises are like that they, you know, have. So in a year, if some of these crowd noises keep sounding very similar to a Monday and Saturday and, a, you know, one a Sunday out of the month, it's going to get a little, little fishy around there, just saying. Yeah, that is true. Oh, man. You are <laughs> – like I said, it's a complete – and that's another thing. Like, it's I'm not going to act like uh, the AEW's like, millions of miles ahead because they have fans there, but I don't know. Something about seeing screens with artificial crowd noise, I mean – this isn't an Atlanta Falcons game. We don't need crowd pumps. God damn, man. You're on a roll today. Oh, my God. Got him! Got him! Hold on. We would like to put a disclaimer out to all of our fans in Atlanta. The voices expressed in this show are those of the hosts and the, the guests and callers and do not reflect the uh, the views of the station and or its programming. <laughs> 
All right, we can add that disclaimer on there. I will be uh I'll I'll give him that. <laughs> is it kind of like the Marlins? See, this is why I like baseball because they couldn't do it with the Marlins even if they tried. They they knew if they would have put crowd noise in there, people would have just started laughing at them. Because the taxpayers <laughs> got screwed with the billion dollar stadium with a retractable roof and a fish tank. And then they got a team that got bought out by the Yankees and got rid of all their good players. And then they got to watch the minor league team play in a big stadium. Whoopie do. Sorry. I could have saved that for a shoot and shout, but I just had to get that out of there. Oh, man. It doesn't hurt me, but I know it hurts them. <laughs> that is, that's great. We are rolling tonight. Ugh. So what do we got next? We have a great guest on the line. We're ready. Are we ready? Yeah. Um, I am told he is waiting, and well, I know I'm I ready. Know Drake, are you ready? Well, we're going to get yelled at soon because Renee's going to say we're having too much fun, you know. He doesn't like fun. No, it's kind of boring that way, especially lately. I'm <laughs> telling you. I don't know what's up with him. All right. Introduce our guest, Jeremy. This is going to be a great interview. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. The pleasure will be all mine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to introduce on the Rest Talk podcast. He's been a frequent guest, being on the show several times. He was trained to be a professional wrestler in 2016, but he is now a referee, and he calls it right down the middle. And I can name so many promotions that he's worked with. I'll just name a couple. Extreme Wrestling Entertainment, Midwest Elite Wrestling, Prairie Championship Wrestling, and the Kansas Wrestling Alliance. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to introduce to the Wrestle Talk podcast, Pinky the Referee. How you doing, Pinky? Can you guys hear me? Is this thing on? Yep, we can hear you. Awesome. Sorry, well, John thought he was great. muting my microphone. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just enjoying the beautiful sunshine and the amazing spring weather. Oh, yes. The weather has been beautiful lately after having pretty much, at least out here in Missouri, you know, minus 10 degrees and six, seven inches of snow, so things have warmed up, spring's upon us pretty soon, and it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Spring is one of my favorite times of the year, so after that negative nine or negative ten, whatever we had a few weekends ago, it's so weird to think that that was just like three weeks ago. Yeah, it <laughs> really was closer than we thought it would be. <laughs> Drake, you want to kick it off for us, or would you like me to do the honors? Well, normally you just steal it from me, so that's why I was just waiting patiently. You know, I know well, where that's I. That's why I was courteous enough to ask. Well, you know what? I would love it, and you know what? I would love nothing more than that right now because Pinky, you have worked for pretty much every promotion there is in the Midwest, and I just want to know. I haven't had the chance to interview you yet, so it's really it's really cool to finally get to interview you because I've heard a lot of your shows and appearances on here, and. I can just say welcome back to the Russell Talk Podcast family, and Jeremy, he's already a member of the family, if you haven't noticed already. So, Pinky, with that being said, have you been able to experience wrestling this year at all with, with COVID, or has there been you know any matches in your area? Because I haven't been out your way 
your way lately. So I didn't know if you were able to to do anything, and if that COVID experience, how do you prepare differently than you would, you know, years prior? Uh, yeah, I've been able to be out on the road. Uh, lots of shows going on around my area, not not necessarily in Kansas where I'm based, but in the states uh, surrounding. There's been lots of lots of stuff going on. Uh, first and foremost, as far as preparing, um, I really only accept referee bookings right now if the promotions are following safety protocols. And so uh, there are several shows happening that I've turned down because they don't require masks or they don't require temperatures being taken or, you know, um, in some instances, negative COVID test results. Um, I think if there's any promotion that's worth going to, they're going to expect some of those things from their fans, from their locker room, you know, kind of from the top down. And so uh, one of my favorite companies is running Alive and Well. Uh, they're following all the protocols, uh, Magnum Pro up in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I've been up there. They've been doing shows. Um, and kind of, I've, I've really just been living it up. Uh, nothing really changed for me as far as COVID. Um, I'm an essential worker with my, with my shoot job. Um, and I was able to do plenty of um, closed set shows, uh, just shows that were tapings and things like that uh, up in the St. Joseph, Missouri area. Um, in the Kansas City area too, and uh, it's it's really just been a joy. Uh, I've honestly, there's been times where I've enjoyed doing wrestling shows that didn't have fans, just because you know it was fun. Uh, it was different. It wasn't anything that we were really ever used to. But COVID really turned everything upside down, and so I've been uh, blessed, definitely, with lots of cool opportunities throughout COVID, and I'm just looking forward to uh, to, to several more. Uh, I hope hopefully COVID, you know, uh, goes away uh, eventually, sometime soon. At least in my area, the risk is very low right now, uh, which which is very cool for me because uh, everything is pretty well open here. And so, I'm just you know, it's only going to be just a little while before wrestling is, you know, back to being alive and well here in Kansas, and I can't wait. Right, same here. And that, and that's kind of funny. It's it's funny because my story is kind of similar to yours. I've actually had a pretty good year also with COVID, and St. Louis isn't, you know, really running shows right now. It's hit and miss, and for a while it was nothing. But, uh, you know, I was able to find – and that's the thing, you know, was finding the shows that actually cared enough to go and take those precautions because, that's so, you know, it's really important. And, you know, I think it's I think it's really good to hit on, too, you know, the fact that, you know, whenever you in, – in 2018, whenever, you, you know, you made the, the transition to referee, you were – you know, no one thought about COVID, right? No one thought about anything. And I was just looking back, and I watched some of those old indie shows, real ha- you know, shows from, you know – all of the, you know, local promotions in the Midwest. And it's just, it's, it's really kind of funny to see all the, all the things now that you'd go, Oh no, 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 <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but I, and, and forgive me if, if Renee or, you know, Joe has asked you this question before, like I said, it, it's been my first, it's just my first time being able to have the privilege of interviewing you, but I just wanted to hit on is, is there, has there been one, you know, one match yet that you've really thought, all right, this is what I know I want to do, or this is this is really this is really it. This is this is where I see myself. And if you, if so, could you kind of expand on that? Was it was it the reaction from the crowd, or was it how that you know you could help someone through a match? What what necessarily was that moment if you've had it? Um, I I feel like I've definitely had that moment, maybe even a couple of times. Um, I would say. I would say definitely some of my experiences I've had with Evolve um, really really kind of cemented things for me. Uh, I went up to Chicago 
a couple times and up to Detroit a couple times to do some different uh, work with Evolve as far as seminars and trainings and things like that. And then a couple of times they've asked me back to actually be a part of their shows. And so definitely doing the Evolve stuff really cemented things for me because one of the things I thought was really cool, uh, there's a, a female wrestler who actually is in WWE now. She just got signed recently um, that I kind of came up with in the business in the Kansas City area. And she's been over to St. Louis and kind of all over the place too. She's but awesome. she just recently got signed. What's that? She's awesome. Yeah, so yeah, she just recently got signed and I was able to, you know, referee her match at Evolve. Um and so for like for us two, that was really cool because we really came up together. She started training like I think maybe six months after me. Uh and so we traveled the roads together. We made a lot of good memories up and down the roads, you know what I mean? And so uh to to be at a bigger stage like Evolve and uh, you know, that show's on the WWE network now, which I think is the coolest thing ever. Like I could quit doing anything in wrestling right now just knowing that you know a match that i rep is on the wwe network that's so cool to me um but she made it and so um and she made it probably because of her stuff at evolve and i got to be a part of that i think that's cool um another moment for me uh i was invited down to dallas to do a set of uh mlw tapings and um i, I did those shows and i got to work with guys like low key and brian Pillman jr and you know davy hart smith uh, you know, oh, people, wow. people like that. And those, those, those were just really, Jacob Fatu, uh, MJF, those were just really cool moments for me because like, those are people that are very notable in the wrestling business right now. Um, and even back then they were, but even more so now. And to know, just know that I've worked and been around and been in the, the same atmosphere as those people is so cool to me. And it really just gives me hope. And it really makes me feel like, you know, this is what I want to do. Uh, cause really it is, this is, this is in my heart and soul my passion like this is what i want i want nothing more than to make it you know to a bigger stage and do this full time um well, and there, there's just been you know working with evolve and mlw and even some of the local promotions uh just in february i got the opportunity to referee a match for the for the nwa world heavyweight championship with nick aldis in um in at magnum pro in march or no in february i'm sorry and uh just it's, it's those moments like that the bigger stages um, I was invited out to Alaska with WrestlePro and got to referee for Joey Janela, Colt Cabana, Gangrel. Uh, and so, you know, those were just – it's moments like that that make me just sit and go, wow, like this is my life. This is what I'm doing, and this is all I want to do. And um, this has been, a, you know, a passion of mine ever since I was two years old. I can remember sitting on the couch <laughs> watching Sting versus Ric Flair in WCW in the late 90s with a bowl of cereal and a shirt that went all the way down to my knees and, you know, right before bed watching, watching WCW Nitro. <laughs> Um, and those are just the moments that I really just, <laughs> I look back and I go, I'm doing this now. Like it's, it's, it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, all I want to do is make my, my mom and dad proud. Um, just because they're the ones that kind of, kind of put wrestling into my bones, I think. And, um, it's, it's so cool to me when they get to come to shows and be a part of what I'm doing, or, you know, if they, if they get to Skype in and, uh, which I've had them do before, uh, I, <laughs> When I worked with Hornswoggle up in Alaska after the match, I called my dad and I had Hornswoggle on the phone with me. And we did a Skype call, and my dad got to talk to Hornswoggle, one of my dad's favorite wrestlers. I think that's the coolest. Oh no! It's like that that's that really like, cool. It's, it's moments <laughs> like that where I just think, oh my goodness, this is so cool, and I can't believe I'm doing this, and I want to do it more. Like I'm not, I'm not. I I can look back and say, you know, my matches are on the WWE Network or my matches are on MLW, which has you know hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers, but. I want to do more. I could quit right now and say, yeah, what I've done is cool, but I just want to do more. 
that's incredible. And you know what? That's that's so interesting to me because to me that's that's the dream. You know, to be able to say the you know you traveled and went all these places and you got to do all these amazing things. And and to kind of expand on that question, you've got to referee like you said matches with with talent that's you know the top of the list right now in in the world, not just on you know a certain network. And my question is, do they, whenever you see someone like an MJF, how do they uh, prepare differently or not? Or what's their mindset or attitude um, that you see that's kind of different than, uh, than someone that's, you know, maybe just starting out or someone that, that just, uh, I, I don't want to use that, you know, the, the weekend thing, but that someone just that really just wants to, you know, be there. I would just say like the, the environment is really just different. It's really like you can you can walk into an MLW taping or an Evolve taping and all of a sudden see the professionalism that's involved um, from everybody. You know, you walk into a, a random indie, you know, outlaw mud show, for lack of a better phrase, um, and you see people, <laughs> you know, showing up, showing up in their shorts and their their gym shorts and their flip-flops and all that stuff. You go to somewhere like Evolve or MLW, everybody's wearing – you know, everybody's dressed to the nines. Everybody's, you know, dressed up and taking pictures and everything and, you know, ready to go. And so you can tell the difference walking into, like, an Evolve show or an MLW show immediately versus a random indie company on the weekends. Uh, as far as the how they prepare and everything, it's – at MLW at least, all the matches had agents or producers, just like they do in WWE or AEW. And so they pull in, you know, both workers and the referee – and if there's a manager or whatever, and some of the production crew, and they go over the match beginning to end, you know, everything that they want. And so whereas a lot of times on the indies, it's just, you know, all in the ring, brother, or uh, from that to anything like planning just the finishing spots and things like that, uh, at those places, uh, at the the top scale, Evolve MLW, all the matches are agent-based from beginning to end. And so the referee is a part of that process. And it's just really cool to see the different things and how they work, how how it's planned differently on those stages versus the indies is really cool. Uh, everybody's it's it's weird because there's like equal amounts of professionalism and equal amounts of you know people are watching you, but also equal amounts of laid back. You know, people having fun, people shooting the breeze, sitting in the locker room. I sat I sat down with uh with MJF and Conan and Savio Vega, Jimmy Havoc. Um, and I just, they were all sitting there talking. And so I was walking into the locker room and I thought, you know what, what the heck, what's the worst they can say? Get the heck away from me, greenie. <laughs> but I went and sat with them and I just kind of sat oh, there wow. and, and, you know, they, they sat there and kind of talked with me, asked me, you know, where I was from, how long I've been repping and things like that. And really just talked. It was, it was the coolest thing ever. And I could have, you know, that was a cool chance that I took because I could have just ignored them and kind of did my own thing and been too scared to talk to them. But I think because right. I put forth that intentionality and I put forth that effort into sitting with him and talking with him, um, I could probably shoot MJF or Jimmy Havoc a message right now and they would know who I am. I think it's cool. <laughs> um, and so uh, it's it can be scary for somebody who's new uh, or for somebody who's never really been in that environment. Um Naturally, I'm not an introvert, or I'm not a, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not one that normally would just go up to a, a group of people and just sit there and talk to them, because I I've had to teach myself how to be <laughs> how to be more intentional about you know reaching out and networking and being a part of things. Um, and so I think it's a testament to 
um, that I've been able to grow just personally in that aspect. Um, just from being more of somebody who can hold a conversation and actually sit and talk with people versus somebody who would normally just sit there and be quiet. Uh, and those, those, you know, Evolve MLW and even Magnum shows have really taught me to kind of bust out of my shell a little bit. And so those have helped me in that aspect too, even, even in my personal life. So. Right. That's incredible. That's really, that's really cool to hear. And, and, and I didn't, you know, if anyone just not, just want to throw this out there. Anyone listening, I didn't mean, you know, anything disrespectful to, you know, someone that's not been there yet or anything. It's just, you know, it's just at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. And, and Jeremy, I know that, you know, you want to chime here at any time, but I just, I just think it's so interesting because, you know, whenever you say, you know, greenie and stuff and, you know, this, I don't know what year that happened. I mean, you started training in 2016 as in my notes, but even 2018, you're going, well, that's a couple of years, you know what? And whenever you start thinking about it, you realize that, hell, that don't mean nothing. Two years isn't, you know, that that's not even a cup of coffee, you know? And, uh, it's just really, it's really interesting to hear all the experience that you have and, and uh, to see how you've grown. And, you know, like you said, the networking thing's huge and critical to, to anything, to anyone that wants to, you know, grow in any, especially in this industry. Yeah, for sure. Networking is key. Uh, I was told a long time ago, um, part, part of this business is who you know, and not just who you know, but who's willing to say they know you. And so it's, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of referees that I see on TV that are you know that I've made it uh, and they're you know they're in WWE or they're in AEW and I look at them and I'm like they're an awesome ref but I'm just as good as them <laughs> right so for them and I'm I'm a confident guy right I'm not, I'm not, right I'm not trying to say I'm cocky or anything but um like I'm equally as good as some of them they got their spot because of who they know or who was willing to say they knew them. And so uh, I, I can think of other reps, you know, other reps that aren't even me, <laughs> other reps that are around in the Midwest and the South that I've worked with that should be on TV. I think some of them are better reps than who I see on TV, but they got that spot on TV because of who they know and their, and, and their professionalism. That goes a long way. Professionalism in this business goes a long way. And I think that's one of the most, for, especially for young people in this business or for those who are aspiring to get into the business, um, professionalism is key. That's, that's going to be your key and willingness, willingness to do the jobs that nobody else wants to do. Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy Pinky is putting on a damn clinic today for anyone that's listening because that's, that's crucial. I mean, without, without those, I mean, you see it all the time. You see it all the time. And without those key <laughs> principles to, you know, and some people say, well, that's kind of obvious, but not really. I mean, you know, Pinky, you'd know that too. You'd be surprised how that's just, you know, lost onto some people. And uh, Jeremy, would you like to add anything onto this, this clinic for, for, you know, pro wrestling one-on-one because, or one-on-one, because this is, this is pretty good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's fantastic. And Drake, of course, you're doing an amazing job in the drawing, but what else is new, of course. Don't you degrade (laughs) me. Don't you degrade me in front of these people. I've always done a great job. Act, you just acted like that was a surprise. It's not a surprise. <laughs> I'm anyway. sorry, Pinky. I'm sorry, Pinky. We didn't mean to start fighting in front of you. We have a little bit of a problem that, that we need to probably talk about. It's just, you know, we shouldn't have done that in front of you. We apologize. <laughs> I've been a part of it's several okay. domestic disputes between Joe and Renee on here, so 
Steph and I used oh, to. Oh, good. <laughs> well, we got Renee on my doll, so it started helping him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Pinky, I got a big question for you. And you've been talking about this whole thing about professionalism in the industry, and that's such a key to success. And it's a key to success in any industry, let alone professional wrestling, but especially so in uh, professional wrestling because Drake and I have had uh, the legendary Herb Simmons on in the past, and he's talked to us about how the wrestlers' willingness to work with others and how that affected their careers and such. So what I wanted to ask you, um, it actually revolves around preparedness, you know, as a referee. And you're about to go out, you know, referee a match, whether no matter who it is. Um, and, you know, you're known for calling matches right down the middle, you know, fair and unbiased. And that's, hell, that's the way to do it in my book. But as you head out there through the curtain and everything, I mean, what goes through your mind on refereeing a match in general? In general, um, I don't, it's weird because I rarely get nervous anymore. When I first started, I'd be nervous all the time. And you hear so many guys say, you know, if you're not nervous, then you're, then you've lost your passion for the business or whatever. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true, at least in my case. Um, just because I've, I've done this for a little while and I'm always kind of repping in my head. Um, so if I'm watching wrestling, I'm watching the referee nine times out of 10, or I'm putting myself in the referee's position um, and, you know, thinking through the match, what I would do in these situations. And so I'm kind of always learning even as I watch. And so when I go out there, it's almost like a, like second nature somewhat, depending on the match. So, uh, if it, you know, if it's Joe Blow versus Jane Doe, whoever, whoever, random indie uh, weekend warrior wrestler, uh, usually I'm feeling pretty good just because I'm confident um, in my abilities. And if, you know, something goes haywire, that's part of my job too, keeping the guys safe, making sure everything is going smooth. Um, if it's a bigger, if it's a bigger match, like maybe a championship match or something, I might feel a little bit queasy. Uh, maybe not queasy, but I, I'll, I'll feel that kind of in my chest a little bit. I'll kind of feel the sensation of, whoa, this is kind of a bigger match. The crowd is going to care about this match. I need to make sure that I'm invested all the way. Um, and, you know, whether, whether that's getting with the guys before the match and going over it uh, or things like that. But uh, when it's a big, big, big match, like for me, the NWA World Championship match was, I, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, that could be the most important match that I've ever read. Just because of that belt, anybody who knows wrestling, you know, n- knows that belt. <laughs> and so to me, yeah. to me, that's one of the most prestigious belts in the history of wrestling, if not the most important championship ever. And so getting the opportunity to ref that match was so cool. And before that match, I can remember just sitting with uh, with Jason Strife and with uh, Nick Aldis, who who were competing in the match, and just kind of going over their stuff and making sure that I was going to be in the right spot at the right time. But I have never – that match was so weird because as stressful or as nerve-wracking as refing a match like that sounds, Nick and Jason really made it so easy. Um, they made sure that I was comfortable. They made sure that I knew what I was supposed to be doing and where I was supposed to be during the matches and things like that. Nick Aldis, I was scared because I've heard so many horror stories about Nick Aldis from different people who have worked with him in the past. And uh, I was like, oh, goodness, this could go either way. Um, so when I was driving to the, to the event that day, I was just thinking in my head, man, I hope I don't mess something up. <laughs> That's all I could think on the way there. But when I got there, 
Nick really set my mind at ease because he was honestly the most humble and approachable person I might maybe I've ever met in this business. Um, he, when he walked in, he was greeting everybody and shaking hands. A lot of legends, when you walk into a locker room that they're in, not, not saying Nick Aldis is you know, quite a legend yet, maybe, but um, a lot of known guys, when they walk into a locker room, they kind of sit there and wait for you to go to them. Nick Aldis was the complete opposite. He went up to everybody, shook their hands, introduced himself. He was a very, very professional guy. And that really set my mind at ease because I was like, okay, even if I did mess something up, this guy's not going to blow a gasket. <laughs> He's level-headed and you know, very, very, very professional. Um, and so it, I would say as far as like preparedness and nervousness, one of the things I do, and it helps to relieve any nerves, and it helps to get me prepared for the match, is to stretch. Um, it's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of a thing for me because I noticed that a lot of refs and a lot of even wrestlers don't stretch before the match. Um, so I just do kind of some basic stretches, and I make sure that I'm comfortable in my clothing as far as, you know, my belt's not too tight, my shoes aren't coming off, you know, everything's good to go. And if, I, if I'm stretching, I'm usually stretching like how I move in the ring. And so I'll get down on, my, on kind of my hands and knees and lift my arms a little bit just because, you know, when I'm counting pins, that's the motion that I'm doing. Um, I'll stretch toward the sky, making sure my pants aren't going to come undone and making sure I'm limber because, um, yeah, you can watch YouTube. Sorry, my, I told my kids not to bother me, and they're doing the total opposite of that. Um, <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. You know, you know how kids are. Uh, and so really, you know, stretching, making sure I'm limber and all that good stuff and uh, go out there and have fun. Uh, I like I like a, a hot, loud crowd. Not all indie shows have that, but, you know, up in Nebraska at Magnum Pro, they, they definitely do every time. Whether there's a name there or not, those fans are excited and ready to be there. Up at XWE in Salina, you know, the fans are always on top of things. They're always, you know, you know, they're always roaring and ready to go. The Evolve and MLW crowds, amazing. I love them so much. Um, and it's just a lot, a lot of people will say it depends on the show uh, I think I would agree with that depends on the show, depends on the match but I like to be prepared and I prepare differently for different situations so. well that's great awesome And well, hold on Jeremy can I just say something real oh. quick yeah go ahead hey Pinky I know how that's like with the kid thing because that's kind of how I feel with Jeremy sometimes but you know I just <laughs> oh, anyway uh I'm ready. I, uh, sorry, Jeremy. I didn't mean to take up your time. And that's how most uh, people in the public are with Drake. So it, it, everything worked out just fine. Um. Anyway, so I have to tell you something, Pinky. Um, our very own hardcore Haas is going to join us because he actually has a story he would like to share with you. So, Haas, <laughs> come on in here, share it. Hey, how y'all doing tonight doing here? We're all good. Wonderful. You're on fire with the boards. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> well, man. Killer job. Thank you very much. But uh, now I was just, just a real quick story here. I won't take up too much of your time. But as everybody knows, uh, I'm a competitor in a group called the FWWC, which Pinky actually follows on Facebook and at one time was a competitor as well. And uh, – I went to a local wrestling match in, here in West Virginia, and uh, Ace Austin was at the match. I, now, at the time, he was the Impact X Division champion, and he was there giving a guy a tryout match. And uh, 
my sister and I, we were talking to Ace and took some pictures with him and everything. And we posted them where people could see from the FWWC. Next thing we know, we get this message from Pinky, who says, hey, Austin's a friend of mine. So tell him I said hello. And uh, so we walk back in and we tell him, you know, we, we got a message saying hello from a, a guy that you may remember. He's a friend of ours. So he says, oh, really? Mm-hmm. He says, Who's that? And we tell him it's Pinky. And he's automatically, oh, yes, I know Pinky. I, me and him are good friends. And so when Pinky says these people remember him, people really remember him. <laughs> You know, that's a hell of an endorsement right there. There you go. Ace, Ace Austin is literally like, of all the of all the cool people I've had the opportunity to meet in this business, Ace has been one of those dudes that just really, he's passionate and he's, his passion, you know, far outweighs even mine. He is somebody who I, <laughs> whenever somebody talks about who's underrated right now or who deserves to be at that next level, I. The first person I always think of when I hear that question is Ace Austin, just because he is absolutely incredible what he does in the ring. And not only that, he's a good dude just in general. Um, he's, he's somebody who can definitely go places. He's professional. He, he conducts himself in a manner um, that, is, that is very willing to help and willing to do anything to be any, a part of any show. Um, and he's, he's somebody who I just want to see go be pushed to the stars somewhere. So I love Ace. He's he, He's incredible. But I'll go ahead and let you guys finish out here with, with your interview and everything. But I just thought I'd pop in and share that when Pinky said that, you know, people, he's pretty sure people remember him, that people really do remember Pinky when he says they remember him. That's pretty good right there. I like that story. Jeremy? Me I don't too. know. That- that was fun. That's always it's always good having Hardcore Hoss on the mic. He's doing great behind the boards, and I always love and telling his better stories. stories than Jeremy does. Mm. <laughs> it has a better voice than Drake does. That's Ooh. true. <laughs> I that. I thought, yeah, I can't even come back. That's I'll I'll give that one. That's a that, that's a one up. God, I'm wonderful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, I have to say to both of you, it's about time, actually, for our weekly world-famous shoot-and-shout segment. If, Pinky, you would like to join us. I would absolutely love to join you. All right. So let me introduce it for those listening at home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the shoot-and-shout segment here on the Talk podcast. For 60 seconds... Drake, myself, and our special guest, Pinky the Referee, will be just ranting about whatever the hell just infuriates us in the world right now. It can be wrestling-related. It can be real-world-related. It can be inside the ring, outside the ring, anything. And, Drake, I'm going to let you do the honors of going first. Okay. Now, my 60-second Okay. Uh-oh. Okay. 
Uh, my 60 seconds starts now. You know what pisses me? Here's the thing. When you see people on Facebook, they take videos and they're like helping the homeless guy, and they're like, oh, look, we're giving them free meals. We're giving them this. We're giving them this. Why do you have to show people you're a good person? Why? Why? Is it because you beat your dog at home? Is it because you kicked your wife? Why are you such? Why do you feel the need to be a jerk? Because that's all they are. They don't do anything but take up space at that point. If you feel the need that you have to videotape someone in distress, and this is coming from me, you are a problem. You are worse than the geriatric old man in the left lane during rush hour. You are worse <laughs> than someone that just comes up to your yard and tries to sell you political ads or siding. You are worse than pond scum. Just saying. Rant over. Wow, that is some passionate stuff right there. And you know what? I hear you completely on that one, Drake. I'm just saying the Pope couldn't have said it better. (laughs) Yeah, and we might need some blessings after that one. Um, Okay. Looks like I'm up. All righty, folks. So let me tell you something about my shooting shaft segment. So a few nights ago on AEW, Tully Blanchard wrestled in a six-man tag team match for the first time since 2007. And while in the match received decent reviews, but a lot of people were saying, why is Tully Blanchard, a man who is long past his prime, unfortunately, wrestling still? You know why? Because old school is cool. And there ain't an age limit on awesomeness. Let me tell you something. I work at a place where 102-year-olds walk down the hallway just fine. So I don't want to hear nothing about how they shouldn't be doing something. If he's feeling up to it, if they're feeling up to doing something, then damn it, just let them do it and live their lives and stop critiquing it and focus on your own lives. It is just unbelievable. It is selfish. And it is just quite frankly disrespectful because guess what? He went into that ring, and he performed a hell of a job. He did a great job. It was a good match. I'm fine with it. I know I get a lot of flack from my friends about liking Legends a You know what? Tough shit. Guess what? Old school's cool no matter where you go. And that's my shoot and shout. I agree. I love it. You are up, my friend. I guess it's my turn. All right. Yes, sir. My 60 seconds. My 60 seconds is going to go ahead and start right now. I've been dying to be a part of a shoot and shout segment, although I don't think I have ever before. I always play the game show, but now I get to do the shoot and shout. So this has been on my mind ever since I've been a guest on this show way back when. When I drive into a parking lot and I see that people are backing into their parking spot, it just makes me want to kick them square in the nuts. Because that is the stupidest, the absolute biggest waste of time you could ever have when you're pulling into a parking spot. And I, I, I mentioned this on Facebook one time, and people were like, oh, it's easier to get out. It's, it's, it makes getting out less troubling. Yeah, but it makes getting in worse. That argument makes no sense. Do not back into a parking spot. That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. It makes no sense, and it's just a big waste of time. Just park into a freaking parking spot normally. And get out the same way. It's just fine. I think if you do that, you are you are equivalent to uh, the the dirt at the bottom of my shoe. You look stupid, especially when you do it in a big Ford F one fifty. Come on now. Stop and we know that guy's overcompensating. Oh yes, yeah, that's what I just said. <laughs> yes, I agree. 
<laughs> Big wheels mean something else. <laughs> that was awesome. That was probably the most valid shoot and shout from a guest in a long time. It you know, was, without a doubt. I resonated with that one totally. I was just seeing that one earlier today. Ugh. Man, good thing I didn't see it. I would have... <laughs> He would have gotten out the my car kids, and kicked his car in the My my kids even know when they see somebody backing into a parking spot, they're already just waiting for it. They're already looking at me, waiting for me to react. Oh God! <sighs> that's, wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was your Wrestle Talk podcast shoot and shout challenge, or I should say segment. As a challenge to hopefully those things all change, but. That was our shoot and shout, and man, there is some valid challenge. (laughs) Break your challenges later. We already know, and we probably know how that one's going to (laughs) go. At least I can get the name of the segment right. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't know where Hulk Hogan's from. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Hey, that's not even funny. That hurts my feelings. Okay, well, you know, this has been an amazing interview, and it has been awesome having you on, Pinky. And I have to ask, though, where can the WrestleTalk podcast audience find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook. Uh, I am Drew Chandler Bozak on there. You can find me on Instagram at HypeManPinky. You can find me on Twitter at RefDrewChandler. All right, awesome. It has been a pleasure having you on tonight. Right, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. It was my pleasure. I'm a huge fan of the Wrestle Talk podcast. I love all the new additions, uh, the, you know, the different hosts and things like that. I've I've been a loyal supporter of the Wrestle Talk podcast for a long time, and it's good to hear somebody besides Joe and Renee. <laughs> good job, guys. Drake and I said the same thing. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, have a good night. Be well. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Pinky the referee. Oh, he likes man, me that, more. Yeah, well, that's not the point, Drake. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, we still have a lot of show left to go, but before that, I need to catch my breath. I don't know about you. I'm sitting down, so I'm just fine. Oh, for God's sake. Okay. Well, you know what? We're taking a couple-minute break, Drake. You'll be fine. Okay. Guess I got to. Ladies and gentlemen, the WrestleTalk podcast will be right back with Vinny Barry. Stay tuned.
Hey, wrestling fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat talking at you, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp, and we got the thoroughbred and less Drake Lee. Drake, we've had a great show so far. I don't know about what you think, but it has been really entertaining. Oh, Drake. Okay, well, I guess this is time for me to plug the sponsors while Drake Lee is AWOL. Ladies and gentlemen, here at the Rest of the Talk Podcast, we have to thank all of our amazing sponsors. That is Everything Combat with Jay Hollywood and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich, Royal Mills Transportation, the Esports Bar, Kansas City, Kincaid, Painter's Dream Productions, and, of course, I-70 Sports, otherwise known as Interstate 70 Sports Media, which I am proud to be one of the founders and managing director of. There is so much going on while we wait for so Drake to on. return. Hold on. Uh, hold on. Where have you been? No. Where have you where? been? You can put this on me. <laughs> God dang, man. We're going to have to get you some CBD from CBD Lions. Use promo code Drake Lee. Just kidding. I hear all the podcasts saying that, so I wanted to be cool. But, um, Jeremy, here's what happened. My accountant called, and I had another great week in the stock market. Sunday uh, gave me some good promising projections for the week, so he just gave me a brief overview. So I apologize for my probably one-and-a-half-minute absence. That is totally forgivable. I can understand that. But this is the okay. thing. I mean, Excuse me a moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a question. I have a question for you, Drake. Oh shit! If you um, remember, I... if you remember a couple of weeks back, uh, I was trying to conduct an interview here on the Russell Talk podcast, and uh, you came in uninvited to my interview and kind of busted it up. But uh, we never heard the results of your match. What happened in your match there? For starters. I would like to say that I – here's the thing with the Magnifico interview. I'm sorry that uh, that it went the way it did kind of, but I think it was good. I think we aired out a lot of grievances that I've heard on my end from my, uh, from my constituents about why they think I was in the right. Um, so even though it didn't go the way you wanted, we got a lot of ratings out of it. So I think that for the most part, I think hindsight 2020 – you know, not to quote, you know, quote Bruce Pritchard, but I, hindsight 2020, I think that was a success. But on the other hand, I don't think the results of that match mattered. I think what mattered, uh, quite frankly, was I proved to everyone that uh, you don't, you don't, quite frankly, you don't fuck with the one percent. Because let's be honest, another, I won that match. Another word. In other words, you must have took an L in the match if it didn't matter. Well, here's what ha- Well, here's what happened. I won the match twice. I I really could have won. I didn't go for a pin at any point. Okay, not once. You know why? Do you guys want to take a guess? Because I didn't care at that point about winning. I just wanted to just beat them, because my frustrations needed to be aired on the ninety nine percent. So you are right, Hardcore Hoss. Technically, I lost the match. But quite frankly, 
I think we all could agree that Drake Lee actually won the night. Fucking bullshit! Oh. oh. Okay. okay, well, well I'll back I'll back out now and let you guys get ready for your interview. I feel like that was kind of a jab. Uh, that was a jab. Paul just threw <laughs> some shots at us and left. I think that was right to the jugular. Damn. He he threw some shots like the CIA in and out, but he didn't destabilize the country. <laughs> he he break he's out here trying to break your soul, Drake. Yeah, I, I'm telling. Uh, I can't be broken. I have no soul. Let's just be quite honest about that. Um. I, I I have no heart, no soul, but I do have a brain. Uh, but you know that that hurts because I thought Haas and I, I thought Haas and I were friends, quite frankly, and I considered him a a very someone who was near and dear to my heart. And and the you know and the in the grand scheme of things, and and that that hurts, uh, quite frankly, very badly. Uh, probably probably very badly. Um, you know, sad. Well, my deepest apologies, condolences. Don't I don't you know. apologize. Don't you try to, don't, don't, don't you make this about what it is. You're trying, you don't feel sorry for me. You're laughing with Hoss right now. Well, I I'm, guarantee yeah, you. Yeah, I am, but guess what? I'm trying to cheer you up so you can get your head out of your ass and get the show going with me. Oh, oh, yo. Hey, hey. I don't need that. I just got assaulted by Hoss, and now you're coming at me, you know, full of testosterone, guns a-blazing, and, you know, we're trying to do a show, Jeremy. Absolutely. You are right, and we do have a show, oh, and we got another right. a, and we got a very special guest on for the second half of this show, and I am just as excited as you are, I presume you're very excited. Of course you are. What am I talking about? I'm excited for this one. We got the very own Vinny Barry online. I mean, what do you got to say before we bring him on, Drake? You already just started interview. Why we? You already cut me off. You know, I'm just kidding, Jeremy. I mean, I'm really excited. The, I'm excited because I've started to read the book. It's phenomenal, and I can't wait to have him on, and I can't wait to get this interview going. So please, without further ado, Jeremy, only like you can introduce. The guest of honor, the main event. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are right, Drake Lee. It is the main event interview of the Wrestle Talk podcast. It is a pleasure. We are sitting down with professional wrestling author Vincent Barry. He's a man known with fascination with writing. He is a former mixed martial artist, matchmaker. He's been in the business around who's who in the industry. You know what? Screw it. Ladies and gentlemen, on to the Wrestle Talk podcast, Vincent Barry. Thank you, thank you. How you doing tonight, Vinny? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you very much for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure. I mean, wow. It's, uh, this is the first time I've ever had the chance to interview you, but let me tell you, the guys 
within the podcast have told me so much about you, so I am very much looking forward to this. Well, and thank I you. Well. Yeah, I'm good. Good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited to talk to you. Um, I heard that. Uh, I believe Drake said that he uh, started the book. Um, where are you guys at in the book, and and what are your your first thoughts about? I'm on chapter three right now. I just I literally just started it, but right now I think it's just it's it's truly incredible. I I think the information that's that's there. Uh, it's really fascinating. I'm on the. I really like uh, when you talk about meeting Fritz von Erich for the first time. I really do. I think that, to me, I think that's probably so far the coolest part of the book for me. And uh, Jeremy, have you had a chance to to read it yet, or are you the lone guy out here? Um, I've actually got a chance to preview some of it. Some of it's been sent my way, and I love hearing the origins actually of the Freebird von Erich rivalry, which honestly is one of my favorite rivalries in the history of professional wrestling, something I've followed for a long time, seen a lot of their WCCW matches. So that's where I'm at, honestly, and I look forward to reading the rest. Are you being cheated? There's, you know, there's a lot of information in the book. I think when people pick it up and and sit down with it, I I think, and, and just from what I heard from people who've read it, I think they're really surprised about what they read as far as, you know, a lot of people say, well, I wasn't expecting to get all that, or, uh, you know, I kind of expected it to be one thing, or, you know, um, I really expected more bashing, uh, you know, things like that, you know, and so I think people would be surprised uh, really what's in the book as opposed to, I think it's a different wrestling story than than most. It has a different spin on it, and, you you know, you're right. People, you know, want to hear different things than what they – or want to read different things than what they end up reading. But it's definitely something that, you know, I think is definitely worth the the purchase, which you can purchase on Amazon. And I guess the first question for you is, and if I may, first question, what inspired you to write this book? Well, I have a website called Russellville.com, and and I write about professional wrestlers, whether they're on the independent scene or, you know, guys who've retired or veterans or whatever, and uh, just been doing that for about three years and started in 2017 doing that. I have a uh, a background in, in covering MMA and boxing and and when those sports kind of dried up in this area, I wanted to continue writing, but I thought I'd write about professional wrestling and see if I could get a website. Just something to keep myself busy and 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 keep, you know, my writing skills sharp and uh Lance Von Eric was always one of these guys that you know, I see a lot of wrestlers on the internet and whatnot, but when I'd come across him, which which wasn't a lot of times, but when I would, I'd I'd just be really curious about like whatever happened to that guy, and you know who was that guy really, and you know why did Fritz do what he did, and you know so there was all these questions, and I used to always have a friend of mine. He said uh, he used to always tell me 
if you want to learn how to do something or if you want to know something, write a book about it. <laughs> and because you'll do the research to find out, right? And so um I was again just intrigued with him and, and I was talking to James Beard. He came up in the conversation a couple of times and I said I'd love to do a story about that guy for my website and he told me how to get in touch with him. I reached out to Lance. He was very receptive. He gave me his phone number and I called him the next day and told him what I wanted to do and uh he was receptive in talking to me but he was just kind of didn't know really why. I mean, he was kind of surprised that someone had an interest in his story. And, you know, he was like, nobody cares about this story, man. Nobody cares. And I was like, dude, I care. You know, I, I really do. And, and so I wrote the story for my website, but after I got done with it and he, he was pleased with the story, he goes, wow, you know, it's kind of neat to read something like that, you know? And I, I said, well, if you're ever interested in doing a book, call me. And uh, I might have had to say that once or twice, and he said, write the book. So it was something I just wanted to do. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, from the notes that were given to Drake and I, you've always had a fascination with writing. And um, if I'm correct, you had written for a small-town newspaper in Texas, and it kind of helped you branch out into the world of the internet. Sure. I was, um, I guess after high school, between high school and college, I was, I was at a restaurant. I worked as a waiter for many years and I was a girl that I worked with. We were talking about school. She had signed up that day and was just asking me if I, was going to go to college that semester, and I said, no, I'm not going this semester, but I really want to be a writer, so, you know, that would be what I want to study. Well, there was a, just a newspaper editor in the, in earshot of that, and as he was leaving, he says, hey, I overheard you telling your friend that you had an interest in writing, and why don't you give me a call? And he became my mentor, and yeah, I wrote with him for about two years. And when that came to an end, it was just one of those things that I just really wanted to do. You know, it was just like, you know, I was like, you know, I'm, my life is going pretty good, but there's just this one thing I wish I was doing that I'm not doing, and that's, you know, kind of like I wish I was doing that. So right. uh, when I moved. When I moved to South Texas, I ran into some guys that were covering boxing and MMA, and they told me what they're doing. I said, I'd like to come, I'd like to do that. And, and that's how it got started, you know. It was, and, and when I was doing that for those websites, I probably, probably wrote 500 plus articles within three years of working with those guys. So it kind of prepped me for, for the, uh, you know, the rigorous, dedication that a book takes right and isn't that interesting thing? So, for those that don't know uh that are listening the website that vinnie berry is runs is www.wrestleville.com and what i find most 
fascinating about it is that, you know, yeah, you've written many articles with a lot of local wrestlers on the scene, but, I mean, going down the list, and I'll just name a few, it's almost been a who's who of wrestling that you've interviewed and written stories about. I mean, you know, Bill After, Jazz, the late, great Harley Race, Kamala, Duke the Gunther Drazi, uh, Cowboy Scott Casey, and... I mean, what's it like just being able to have that platform to where you can get into the industry? I mean, basically the way I'm asking it is how does it feel to be able to connect with so many legends and current wrestlers and have a platform to share those stories and memories that they bring to you? Well, I, 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 it's, it's a dream come true, right? I mean, I'm a wrestling fan at heart. And to have the opportunity to talk to some of these people who I've watched when, you know, I was younger, you know, I started watching wrestling when I was about 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, I mean, just really, really get into it. And so, you know, I was 14 years old when I first saw Harley Race wrestle at Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas, and then to speak with him and and talk to him and you know, oh, you know, just to hear his stories, it was, it, it's special. And I like the fact that, you know, that, that this is why I like writing so much, you know, is that, yeah, I get to talk to these guys and write a story about it, but then I get to share it with whoever wants to read it. So, you know, in, in what was, you know, like last night, I'm telling you, I was in my computer looking for something and I ended up coming across some files of some stuff that, wow, you know, I can make a book out of this, you know, and it's, it can either sit on my computer or I can share it, you know, and even if one or two people buy the book, well, it's, it's, it's more than no people reading it, you know? And so I think that's the cool thing about writing stories and sharing them and, you know, having that kind of a platform where, you know, you can go to my website and you can sit there as long as you want and read, you know, Jazz and Tracy Smothers and Ricky Morton and T.W. Anderson and all these guys that just, you know, that really had this wonderful place in wrestling history. Right. And it's and it's true. You know, it is a dream come true. For me, you know, somebody who not only does podcasting but does writing as well you know when we have guests such as yourself you know like i said we've had herb simmons on we've had um so we have had so many other wrestlers and promoters and doing this show for me is a dream come true so much like your website and the articles and interviews you produce are your platform this is my platform so i resonate with that sentiment immensely and you know, the medium of writing it still exists. You know, printed writing is kind of been, you know, it's on, I guess, a, I guess a decline because of just the age of the Internet. But it's great that you have that website because I look at it as an archive to where, you know, a lot of big media companies have their own archives for legend, legendary actors, actresses. You know, they have the history of the motion pictures and things of that nature. And for you to have all these interviews, all these articles, it's like an archive that 
so long as the website exists and knowing your love for wrestling and knowing the talent that you have, the website would last a long time. And you're helping generations because, in my mind, it's preserving it for generations, you know, people from my generation, the next, and so on. So in this way, I do commend you and thank you for everything you've done to help keep the legacy of professional wrestling going. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And, yeah, when you when you say it like that, it's like, wow, you know, yeah, it, it, it is about keeping record, right? I mean, you know, today, if if you think about it, you've got to, you know, say a guy was born in 1990. Well, he, he probably, maybe he didn't, he didn't wake up to wrestling until he was about 12 years old. And so that's already 2002, right? So right. He, he's missed, you know, Harley Race is already retired. You know, I mean, he's yeah. missed. He's missed all these guys, you know. And so, yeah, you know, it's like a lot of people, and I was watching a little bit of wrestling yesterday, but I mean, you know, they had Kelly Blanchard on there. Of course, you know, I I know those guys, but right. <laughs> I, I think I think the history is important because if you don't know where we came from, then you don't know how we got here, right? And so, it's yeah, it's very I, I, true. Yeah, I love I love for people to discover, you know, these these veterans and these guys that really put their heart and soul on the business and, and gave their bodies. Golly, some of these guys, you know, I mean, really suffered. You know, I mean, they knew what they were getting into, but, you know, a lot of these guys yeah. are fat <laughs> hips and concussions and, you know, I mean, really did sacrifice their body to entertain us. Right. And, you know, it's, and it, and it hurts to see that, but like you, I love the example you brought up about um, somebody being born in 1990 and then maybe watching wrestling at two, in 2002. You know, like you said, they're already 12 years old. For me, I was born in 1995. I first started watching wrestling regularly in 2005. You know, mid to late 2005. So I was 10 years old. I had seen it briefly before that, but. Not enough to where I was like, oh, this is, you know, is amazing. Basically, not to where I'm. I was a bigger fan of it as I am now. You know, like I said, I was telling Drake earlier in the show. No matter how bad WWE's product gets or how much, you know, I get annoyed with it, I still tune in every week. That wrestling fandom in me just doesn't go away. And, you know, you had mentioned how you saw Tully Blanchard, you know, because he was on Dynamite Wrestling just a few nights ago. And here's an, another example, um, Ric Flair. So when I started watching wrestling, you know, regularly, like I said, 2005, well, Ric Flair, he, you know, was already in the business for, what, 30 years already? And he was already, he was a couple years away from his first retirement, we should say, you know, controversy around it or not. Um, he was only two or three years away from retiring. So while it was great seeing him, and while he's one of my favorite all-time, if not my favorite all-time wrestler, you, you miss so much of those memories that made him the most popular wrestler, you know, and why 
the Luthez Wrestler of the Year Award is named also after Ric Flair in addition to Luthez. Like, you miss seeing those. And that's and that's one thing also about your book. You bring up about the wrestlers putting their li- or their bodies on the line. I mean, not even just their bodies, their entire lives. I mean, and that's one thing I also like about uh, the book because it, it showcases a lot about the Von Erichs, who I think, while one of the most talented families in wrestling history, to me, they're definitely the most tragic because – you know, and it started with David Von Erich's passing, and then Mike, Chris, and Carrie. I mean, it's it's so sad to read about just such a decline of a dynasty. I remember Kevin Von Erich once said, um, "I remember he he said something around the lines in an interview about how he was always known as a big brother, but now he's not even a brother because they were all gone." And right. you know, it's. It's stuff like that that, you know, you you wonder what's behind the scenes in the wrestling industry. And it makes you also, in a strange way, appreciate what they do more because they put everything, like you said, their lives on the line for merely just our entertainment. So that's another thing I like about, you know, the interviews and the articles because it creates perspectives that people – don't exactly know about the casual fan does not know the true extent of what the injuries and the backstage issues are like in the wrestling world. But then you have uh, writers such as yourself, those who have spoken to people from all generations of wrestling and they just, it gives it, it, it brings to light that perspective without a shadow of a doubt because the wrestling industry needs to be learned about in all phases. You can't just hide the bad and talk about the good. And you don't pull any punches, you know. You you in the interviews you do tell it like it is. Right, right, absolutely. And I, and I think that's one of the good things about the book too is, you know, that you you said it quite well is that it it does it kind of explain the you know, if you think you're going to read about a, a, a book about just Lance, I mean, yes, you you are. You're going to walk away with a better understanding or a, a knowing of him. But then again, you're gonna you're gonna get an idea of really how the the wrestling business worked back then. And I thought that was fascinating uh, to hear when David Manning was telling me, "Well, this is what we did things, and we did it like this because of this." And you know, that's why they you know, as a business, it was better to put the belt on a heel as opposed to a baby face. And, you know, it was just very interesting. And I thought, you know, I can convey this to people. You know, I wanted people, you know, yeah, of course, automatically most wrestling fans, if they're interested in world-class plants or the Von Eric, they may pick up the book. But I wanted the person who, who was, you know, that had no idea that they were going to read the book to walk away liking the book. You follow me, you know? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, um, yeah, yeah, I totally follow you. Well, and, 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 and I think I've achieved that with a lot of people. Um, 
you know, some friends of mine who, who were wrestling fans, but they were fans of me, right? And they'll say, well, I'll, I'll read your book and give you some feedback. So, you know, you can we can see if it flows. And I had a couple friends that said, look, give me two or three chapters and I'll do the best I can. But, you know, I hate wrestling. I said, yeah, I, I get it. And um, one of my friends uh, came back the next day and said, hey, I read the three chapters and I liked it so much. I, I'm Give me the rest. And that was my goal with this. The, and, you know, to me, you succeeded in that. And before I hand the reins over to Drake, because while no, I'm having time. Uh, see, this is what happens. But I do have one last question to ask you. And honestly, Drake, this is something you've probably heard a lot too. Uh, if, if you steal not, my question. You it more than me. Yeah. So, Minnie, I got one question, one more question for you. Um, and it's one that I feel like strikes a chord in a lot of people in our way of life. So, you know, you've been around so many uh, wrestlers from all different generations. Have you, I mean, I'm sure if you've had this instance, what do you do if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, wrestling is fake, right? How do you react and or what do you say? Well, you know what? My brother who used to say this to me all the time because we used to share a room, and he would say that. He goes, you know that stuff is fake, right? And I said, well, you know Rambo didn't kill all those guys in that movie, right? <laughs> it's entertainment. Well, it's There's something about wrestling that I, I can't explain why I like it so much, or maybe you can't either, but it's really something can. that I know that I do. We Just connect like I with know. it. It's... Yeah. Go ahead, brother. No, I was, yeah, I, and, you know, I've had friends from most of, see, my close, the reason I became a wrestling fan, um, my friend Evan he and I were watching an episode of Friday Night SmackDown. This was the SmackDown where Eddie Guerrero defeated Mr. Kennedy to qualify for the Survivor Series team. Now, back then, you know, I didn't realize that Eddie Guerrero had died two days or a day prior, you know. Um, and – but there was something about the theatrics about it. There's something about the wrestling industry that got me hooked. A lot of my close friends got me to be in wrestling. We used to backyard wrestle, you know, we went to, we've gone to local shows all the time and, you know, that's connected us to it. But I have a lot of other people I know throughout my life that have said, Oh, you know, this is fake. Oh, it's not real. Why would you watch that? I mean, because I love it. I love being a wrestling fan. I respect the hell out of the people, the men and women that, go out there and, you know, like we said throughout this interview, put their bodies and lives on the line for it because, you know, if anybody, they can easily come to us, you know, they can come to you or myself or Drake and say, yeah, wrestling's fake. Go to somebody like Darren Drozdov and try telling him wrestling's fake. See, see what happens, you know, like a man who 
had such great potential, but then tragically got paralyzed, you know, and it was an, it was an accident. We're not saying otherwise, but try saying that to somebody like him, you know, or other wrestlers whose lives are made so much more difficult every day because of it. And, you know, like you said, they knew what they were getting into, but at the same time, it's, it's an unforgiving business. It really is. It's an unforgiving industry, but it makes so many people happy, and there's such great appreciation to it. And it has been that way for about 120 years, and it's going to keep on going. I mean, so, yeah, I, it's just – it's a frustrating question to hear constantly, but – and I don't intend on never hearing again. I, I know I will, but guess what? When I hear it again, I'll still be a professional wrestling fan, so they'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, it's, hey, I think I think everybody knows what it is, you know, but, you know, if, if you were to say, well, what do you like wrestling? You know, I, it's, it's so many things, you know? Like, I, I love the characters. I love Kamala. I love, you know, um, those, you know, guys like that. I, I gravitate yeah. for big guys, you know, big King Kong Bundy, I, Kabuki. Yeah, come on. I'm not going to go yeah. down, I'm not going to go to Walmart and see anything like Kabuki. I got to go somewhere where Kabuki is going to be, right? So <laughs> that's, that's what, uh, that's what's so cool about it is that it's like going to the circus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Drake, I know you've been patiently waiting, so I'm going to pass the reins over to you, my friend. I know you are eagerly waiting to ask our awesome guest some questions. Jeremy, I am shaking. I've waited so long. I think I'm starting to get withdrawals without asking questions. I think I started to withdraw from it. But I forgive you because you guys had a great conversation. And and I just – if I could just start off really fast, I – I'm really curious about the writing process in this book and what chapter was the most uncomfortable, but the, um, to write. And then what chapter was the most rewarding to write? Oh man. You know, it's kind of hard to say. And I, I say it because, well, I think for me going back and, the tragedies, you know, like the, the the death of David and Mike and Gino. Since I was there, you know, those those deaths hit me pretty hard. So I I would say those were probably hard for me. Uh, I I I like. For whatever reason, you know, if you look at the book, it's kind of broken down in three parts. You know, you got your your Portland, you got your Dallas, and then you've got your overseas stuff. And I think the second half of the book, you know, after we we talk about Ric Flair and then we go into like Israel and the Chris Adams stuff and you know Terry Von Eric, and then we go to like overseas. I, for whatever reason, I. That's my favorite part of the book, you know, that that second half of the book. And I think it's because um, maybe partly because I, 
you know, I, I didn't live in Portland. I didn't get to see that wrestling. I, I did get to see the Dallas stuff. And then uh, then the, the stuff overseas was just so intriguing to me because I knew nothing about it, but I just could listen to his stories all day. So, you know, I don't know if they're the, – the, the tragedies for sure were definitely, um, you know, hard because it's kind of like reliving it. I didn't know those guys, but I loved them. Um, the, the rewarding thing – was that I stuck with it and I finished the book. Probably the most right. That, I mean, thing. I could only imagine how hard of a process that is. I mean, you know, it's almost like, to me, I always compare writing a book. I've never done it, obviously. I, uh, I just, it's like when people say, well, I'm going to go write some music or I'm going to be a, there's so much more <laughs> that goes into that than what you, you know, you just read in your favorite book or you listen to in your favorite song. I mean, you put your, your life into this book. And it's you know it's easily identifiable because the story of Lance von Erich is, is it's really interesting because you look at it I mean without some tragedies there wouldn't you know there wouldn't have been the the championship match and there wouldn't have been so, so it's just really cool it, not cool but it's really unique to hear this perspective of it yeah absolutely yeah uh, you know yeah it's it's different it's a it's a it's totally different perspective than what we've been hearing for all these years, right? Right. And and I, before I – because I know we have to go to the game show challenge, and Jeremy, I swear, I swear if you mute my microphone or cause a delay to where I can't answer, and Vince, uh, Vinny, please apologize – or let me apologize to you in advance if you uh, think that our if our, love, if our lover squirrel might be bothering you. I'm sorry. Um, I have to give that disclaimer out to our guests now apparently. Um but, you know, it's neither here or there. I mean, Jeremy and I kind of get along, but he still kind of, you know, cheats during the game show challenge, and I lose. No, um, it's just probably... sucks at it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, and I'll what's go through if I can add real quick. <laughs> if, if I could add real quick that you were talking about, you know, you know, putting my, my life into the book. Yeah, it was, it, it took, it took well over three years to write. Wow, was, that's incredible. It was that it was that's a journey. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was quite the journey. And and you know what? It was really cool because you know I got to talk to a lot of people about the book, and you know David Manning, Steve Casey, Johnny Mantel, the Young Blood Brothers. You know, it was just all these guys: Dusty Wolf, of course, and, and Jeff Bearden. Um, so I, I got to talk to them and, and meet them and, you know, but golly, after, afterwards, you know, going through this process and the people that I've met, you know, there's, there's a couple guys that I've met by doing podcasts with that I became friends with, you know, it's like, I telling my wife, was like, wow, you know, this, this book really opened up doors for me to, you know, it just. New people are in my life, and I'm doing different things, and you know it's it's really been an amazing, uh, just amazing string of events, you know. And uh, I will have to warn you about this game challenge. I am competitive um, to a fault, man. Uh oh, we might get some color tonight, Jeremy, on the game show challenge. Uh oh, I know this ought to be interesting. I- I think I might get one. 
because I don't think I, I mean, I'm a smart guy. I have a lot of money and I do a lot of great things in business, but I don't know if I have the wherewithal knowledge of a Vinnie Berry. I don't know if I have it. We have definitely. I have a very, very high IQ too. Oh, well, see, now we're getting along because so do I. That's why I didn't like the people in Mount Vernon. We have to add a disclaimer on that one. <laughs> no, if you have to add a disclaimer on that, that is not good. That is fact. <laughs> I'm still, I'm a little sore from that match, still, Jeremy. I'm sorry. I, I apologize oh. for that too, Mister Bear. I, I didn't mean that. That is all right. All right, Jeremy, kick it off. I'm ready. Oh, We're ready to right. go. We're going to go no DQ. All right. Hawks, don't hit it just yet because, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the world-renowned and world-famous WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. <laughs> Alrighty, welcome to this week's installment of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contestants are the thoroughbred of lust, Drake Lee, and the one and only Vinnie Berry. In a few moments, I will ask you both three questions about a particular professional wrestling topic. When you think you know the answer to the question, just shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's game show challenge. Now, tonight's Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is called Deep in the Heart of Texas. As we are well aware, Lance Von Erich spent time during his professional wrestling career in the state of Texas. In a moment, I will be giving th- background information about three professional wrestlers who are from the Lone Star State. When you think you know who I am talking about, please shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's challenge. Okay. Vinny, are you ready? I'm ready. Drake, Lord have mercy, are you ready? Um. Well, quite frankly, no, I'm not. I think that we have to postpone this. I, um, Quite frankly, I think that uh, the results are going to be skewed one way or another. Um, decide, just be the fact that you guys just played a whiny baby on auto-tune, and that's okay. You know, that's fine. But I guess I, I guess the answer is yes in a long, dragged-out pervert. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see how I, if I win, I'm ready. All righty. I I think you'll get at least one of these. Unfortunately, one is not enough to win. Okay, question number one. This professional wrestler resides in San Antonio, Texas. He started his career with Southwest Championship Wrestling in 1975. No. Undertaker. Okay. No. All right, let me continue. After his time in Texas, this wrestler moved to 
Jim Crockett Promotions, and the World Wrestling Federation. A 2009 NWA Hall of Famer and a 2012 WWE Hall of Famer. This wrestler retired in 2007 but returned to the ring just last week in AEW. Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard is correct. All right. Break that one. That was like brain surgery. Yeah. Well, all right. Drake is up one nothing. All right, Vinny, you got this. Okay. okay. Question yeah, this two. is this, this is going to see if I get to stay in the game. This is for all the marbles. This is for everything. So here we go. All righty. Question number two. This professional wrestler has been officially involved in professional wrestling since 1988. Now he has never won a singles world championship. But he has won the WCW United States Championship and the WWF Intercontinental Championship as two different personas. Most recently, you can see this wrestler on AEW as part of the Natural Nightmares with QT oh my Marshall. God, it's Dustin. Oh, my God. Drake got it. Thank God I didn't get that wrong. Oh, my God. Drake Lee just got it, and that is a victory for Drake Lee. Oh, my God. I'm in shock. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. How how do I contest this? See, this is why I don't say I'm ready until after I hear the results. Are you ready? I think, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready. I think I think that was a miracle. I think that was like the uh, the the hockey team in the '80s. That was that 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 surprised me. I'm not gonna lie. I, wow. I think I, I went in. I think I went in a little too uh, overconfident. Wasn't that <laughs> first question just a uh, test question to see if they were ready? Oh, don't you do it to me. That's not. It's true, but still, Jeremy, no, you you're the host. To. Question number one is question number one. Drake I, won John, two clean as day. I'm giving Drake this one because oh, he did win. Hell yes! Give me a I'm Steve Austin. I'm standing up for Drake on this one. I'm sorry. There ain't no no. I'm not sorry. Drake won this one. <laughs> Wow, Hoss even tried. V- v- Vinny, it's not because it, Jeremy has a thing against you. It's just I think he was tired of seeing me cheated like he cheated me in a, like four or five in a row. No, I never cheated Drake. Drake just I felt I felt bad. No, this was one fair oh. and square, and I I think Hoss is just so stunned he's not even gonna play the. the video. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Am I a sore winner? 
if, if there was anybody that could be considered a sore winner, I feel like they would try to create it for you. But I'm just – you won. Like, well, I don't you'll know what else you're doing. You'll find out in two months why I should never have gotten the second one wrong if I ever did. Can't say anything. All right. Uh, in two months, I'm going to – I'm going to think to myself, I'm like, okay, why didn't he get this – or why did he get it right? Right. Wow. Good. Well, Miss, it was my pleasure to do that. I mean, that was – that was I really did. I thought I thought Vinny had me before the before he even started. I thought I you were going to put me out like – I thought I was going to get old yellers. You were going to put me out to pasture, let me make a fool out of myself. Wow. Oh, thank God. All right, well, Vinny, before we let you go, because first off, Vinny, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Yeah, it has. Like, it's been an awesome interview. It's, it's, all, it's not even so much been an interview as much as just story time be, between three guys who just love professional wrestling deep in their hearts. Yeah, no, I've 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 enjoyed talking with you both very much, and I think that's what it's all about, you know. If, you know, and I think a lot of people are, hey, if you love wrestling. Uh, you're going to love the book. And and I say that confidently because I just, it's a good story, man. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating. It's intriguing. There's a lot of twists and turns. And I think it's, it's just different from what a lot of people have thought what the story was. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, the book we have been talking about is Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Eric. Now, Vinny, why don't you tell us where uh, fans out there can purchase the book? Yes, you can get the book at LanceByChance.com. You can also get it on Amazon. It is uh, available for digital download as well, and also uh, it's available in different countries as well. So you can get the paperback in France, Germany, United Kingdom, so – you know, it's it's available that way as well. So if you're overseas or who wants to pay those kind of prices for, for shipping. So it is accessible uh, almost everywhere around the world now. So please go by. You can get it at LanceByChance.com or you can get it on Amazon. And please visit my website, WrestleVille.com, where you can read stories of wrestlers and, and just uh, – See what we have on there as as far as recorded history. Absolutely, and I mean, and this is what's also interesting, you know, especially, and the price is so reasonable. I mean, it's only nineteen ninety five, and also if you want a signed copy by Lance himself, it's only twenty four ninety five. Which, considering the price of some books these days, those are amazing deals. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate. It. I want to. I like I said. I, I going in and doing a project like this is, you know, this is the very first time that I've done something like this. I wanted, you know, I wrote the book for people to read it. You know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't write the book to make a million dollars on it. You know, I mean, I, I want, I want people to read the book. I want to, I want it to be affordable, and and I, I want people to walk away and enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I definitely tried to price it to sell because, again, I think it's a fascinating story, and I, and I want people to – I want to share it with people. 
and yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And you know, it's gonna. I I'm sure it's gonna get a lot of uh, readers. And what I love most is that this was a passion project for you. It's something you love and care a lot about, and you put your heart into it. And that, in of itself, is amazing. And I have to ask before we let you go, where the Wrestling Talk podcast audience and wrestling fans can find you on social media or on the web. (laughs) Yeah, you can find me at Vincent Berry on Facebook. You can find me, Vinny Berry, on Twitter. You can go to my website, russellville.com. There's a link on there uh, that you can email me. Go to Lance by Chance. You can email me there as well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I return emails and, you know, whatever whatever I can help you with, please feel free to, to reach out to me. And if you need some information or you want to know more about the book, reach out to me and, I'll help you in any way. Well, it has been a great pleasure having you on tonight. Thank you so much for everything you've been involved with in the wrestling industry and for keeping the memories of so many uh, wrestlers and legends alive. And and you you guys too. You you guys too. Thank you for everything that you do because if it wasn't for for guys like yourself, then you know, wouldn't be able to get the the word out about the book. So, you know, with your help, I know a lot more people are going to be able to to hear hear about it. And and again, thank you for doing what you do because it takes time. You know, to do this stuff. You know, it takes time to do the podcast, carve out you know an hour or two for for the show and stuff like that. And I I know what it entails. So thank you. Well. Pleasure's all ours. Thank you, and you have yourself a wonderful night, and you stay safe and be well. Thank you. You as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Vincent Berry, the author of, one of the authors of Lance by Chance, The Life of Yvonne Eric. Well, Drake, I'm, how you feeling, buddy? You popped that champagne at the estate yet? I'm in, I, I'm in shock still. I thought uh, my... I, quite frankly, Jeremy, um, yeah, it was just a great conversation, and uh, the fact of the matter is, I I don't want to brag right now, because we had such a great interview, I mean, if he was, you know, if we had a guest that was standoffish, you know, and, and quite frankly an ass, I would have said, hey, look at you. But Vinny Berry was awesome. He was a great guy. He's an awesome person, uh, just an awesome person. And and the book is really interesting as well. I got, like I said, got to sit down and start reading it uh, just a few days ago. So, you know, it is what it is. I think I might have a nice uh, cognac later and and uh, relax, you know, enjoy the finer things in life, like me. Well, I, you know, Hoss, Told me he said uh, they don't want to classify it as a sweep because I didn't ask a third question. I said, you know what, screw it. But you are absolutely right. It was an amazing interview. Like I like I told him when he was when I told uh, Vincent, it was almost just like story time because you know we're all so passionate. We're all involved in the wrestling industry in some way, shape, or form. And you know to be able for him to to take all this time to write this book pour his heart into it. I mean, nothing short of absolute respect for him all the way. And 
it is a definite recommend for any wrestling fan out there and one and any fan that just wants to kind of know more about the industry and you know the triumphs and turmoils this would be this would be the book for you so they got good reviews yeah. too online it's gotten great reviews four 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 point eight out of five five out of five i mean it, it really is it's it's liked by people that aren't i've seen reviews from people that uh you know, aren't even wrestling fans. My team sent me uh they had a stack of reviews actually from Goodreads and things that I sifted through and and yeah, I mean just just really good stuff. Everyone's enjoying it and quite frankly, Russell Talk, we should show him some love. He was a great guest. It was a great interview, a great episode. Jeremy, I'm glad you got to experience this with yours truly. Oh, it's always a pleasure, uh host it with you, Drake. Absolutely. I mean, we do it like no other. Well, Jeremy, is there anything else that you would like to add on to this amazing episode of Russell Talk on a beautiful Tuesday night in Lee Manor, the city on the hill, you know? I would just like to thank everybody for tuning in. I mean, we had two amazing guests, and I wish them well. Everybody be safe. You know, things are things are slowly kind of getting back into into normal routine-ish, but we still got a lot ways to go, so I just wish nothing but peace, love, and good blessings and well health to everybody. That was beautiful, Jeremy. You should run for office. I should give you money to run for office, so my needs are met, because quite frankly, who gives a damn about the voters? Yeah, that's usually usually what happens for people that run for office. They don't give a damn. (laughs) That's right. Well, you know what? It has been fun, Jeremy, and I have had a pleasure. It was great that I got to bestow my knowledge onto the Russell Talk family once again. And we had two great guests and an amazing night of Russell Talk. And I am going to get my wine glasses out. Then I'm going to get my shot glasses out. And I'm going to toast to Russell Talk. So good night, Jeremy. And good night, guys. See you next week. Good night, everybody. Peace and love. Return to the D with them and Nick. Step